podcast world. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to us. Yeah. Welcome back into our lives, into our room. Yeah. Welcome back into our room. Uh, I hope you had a good two weeks off from us. Yeah. Hope you made the most of it. Hope you caught up on all the episodes I know you haven't listened to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, don't get used to it because we're back now. Yeah. Probably. We're back. We're back today. Yeah. Uh, this is Known Unknowns Podcast. I'm Carly. I'm Harry. Um, yeah. Uh, today is a chill episode. We don't really have anything planned. That I mean, we do, but not really. Not real stories, for me at least. I have my story done for next week, but I'm keeping it for next week because I'm not going to want to do anything this week for it. And okay. right now I am planning on putting out an episode next Sunday night. So, so I just have it done so I don't actually have to do any other work other than record it on Saturday or Sunday. All right. Good. Mm-hmm. Great. It's been I mean. a rough couple of weeks for me. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah. I am the reason we haven't done it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am the reason for the season. <laughs> No, um, yeah. But we're back. We'll see how I feel next week. Harry might be doing a solo episode or two, I don't know. Yeah, I can do that. I'm struggling. I know. So, (laughs) I don't know. I needed the two weeks off, I apologize. This is even coming out a day late, because I didn't want to do anything yesterday. You know. That's okay. It's uh, it's time. The people appreciate it, and they appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> do you anything you want to talk about? Because I, I don't, don't know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> did, uh, I don't know. Did you? Did, are, are you talking about like the Pentagon confirming that UFOs are real? No. Later. Oh, okay. No, did you I'm not. just see? A, did, you, did you read uh, anything about that stuff? I haven't. There's like I've a been off Twitter and Instagram as much as possible. Yeah. Well, the yeah, there was like a 60 Minutes report the other week where they oh. like talked to um, people in the Pentagon. Was like, yeah, those videos that we've been leaking for the past few years of like Navy pilots seeing UFOs and stuff. Uh, we don't know what those are. I mean, we they're they're real videos, and we don't know what it is they're seeing, hmm. and it's that's cool. It's real, and uh, there are UFOs, and you need to give us more money so that we can defend ourselves from them. <laughs> How do you feel about that argument? Well, I mean, I, I assume that's the reason that they're acknowledging yeah. UFOs are real. I mean, they I haven't don't... said that. But that's what you're, no. That's I mean, they like right? end like the like interview and report and stuff by like talking. I mean, they they like keep bringing up how it's like how anything that we don't know what it is could be a potential threat and stuff and like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I maybe maybe the maybe, maybe I, see. The fact that the Pentagon is confirming that they exist makes me not think that they exist that they exist more than I did before. You know, it makes me doubt the UFOs are real, or at least those particular UFOs. Yeah, 
Why would you why would you trust the Why do they trust us now? The national security state. Oh, I'm just why would they trust us now with the info if they still don't know what it is? Yeah. That's true. I don't <laughs> yeah. Why were they hiding it from us then? Yeah. I don't know. So you think it's so they can get more funding? I mean, I don't know what the reason is. It's probably something nefarious. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I do not know. Okay. I guess. I mean, you know, I get. I, maybe they're either. Yeah, I, but I assume that it, that's at least part of it uh, to to justify their uh, continued um, uh, exponentially increasing budget. But mm. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see that, no. Okay. Well, that, that that's the big news of the week. Okay. That's the only thing that's going on in the world. Cool. <laughs> um, is there anything else going on? Hmm. Uh, you met a nice cat. Yeah. I named her Junebug Jones, so I can call her Junie B. Jones. Yeah. Just so she can be my Junie B. Yeah. Yeah. She's pregnant, and she lives outside of an apartment building, a little, a walkable distance from my apartment. <laughs> and she's so sweet, probably because she's pregnant, but whatever. <laughs> she's so sweet, and I bought treats for her, and so I go see her and give her treats sometimes because cats are healing. Animals are healing. Yes, they are. Yeah. So I just play with this stray cat, this pregnant stray cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of an apartment building that I don't live in because it's I'm very, weird. It's cute. Yeah. I I don't think Harry knew that I like went to revisit this cat and then I like sent him videos of me playing with this cat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did it. He was at work and I was at home dying. And so I'm like, I'm going to go visit my cat. <laughs> well, my therapist said I should go try to find the cat again uh-huh. to hang out with it and also maybe possibly take her in once she has her babies and then the babies are old enough to donate to a shelter to give to a shelter and then i can keep her if i go get her fixed and uh pay for her shots and stuff i could keep her yeah i don't know it's more expensive but i would do it because i'm in love with this cat um (laughs) And I don't know if someone in the apartment building will take her in when she has her kittens. Um, I don't know, because she has to stay with her kittens for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's about ready to pop, I'm sure. I think she's she's really big. Mm-hmm. And they're, cats only stay pregnant for like a little over two months or something. So she's probably ready to probably. have her babies. Um which, unfortunately, I can't take her in right now, so she has a safe place for her babies, but... Because I have roommates, and I don't think they'd want me bringing in a cat, plus her <laughs> uh, multiple kittens. Yeah. <sighs> but, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to keep her, but if not, I've had a good time playing with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that it works out and I can snatch her. <laughs> she just lives outside apartment building uh-huh i don't know yeah, i don't I know. know she's sweet now but i'm not sure if after she has her babies if it'll be like she bites me and stuff because she's like a feral cat <laughs> you know because you know she's affectionate now because she's pregnant and wants to have like 
a safe space to have her babies. Right. She's cuddling up to everyone. <laughs> but like afterwards, is she just like a feral cat who doesn't want to be around people? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. So we'll see. She's She seems too much of a sweetie, though, to be a feral cat. No, I, yeah, I don't think, I think she she's is. a stray cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. But obviously I'll take her in and see if she has a microchip, but I'm doubtful because she wasn't fixed. So mm-hmm. I don't know why she'd have a microchip. I mean, some people just don't want to get their cats fixed. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Hopefully, you know, in a couple of months when we're looking for cats, if she's still around and she's had her kittens and her kittens are taken to a shelter and stuff, then mm-hmm. hopefully I can scrape together the funds to get her, you know, fixed and get her shots and stuff and take yeah. her. But, you know, it's fine. I, other, either that or we go to a shelter and we get a cat. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with either of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want her to stay safe, her and her babies. I hope they, I hope someone takes them in so she can have her babies. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or else I'm worried things will bother them and the babies will die. Oh. Sorry, motorcycle. <laughs> okay, that's all the news I have right. this week. That, that's... I found a cat that I like to hang out with outside because she makes me happy. Good. She loves on me and I love her. That's the news of the week. I found a cat. <laughs> That's the only joy in my life at the moment is this cat. I think about her constantly. Mm-hmm. She's a good cat. <laughs> I'll share a picture of her this week when I post about the yeah. episode. It's so when you've seen the post and you scroll through and you're like, okay, okay, wait, why is the third picture of a cat? That's why. This is why. This is why the third picture is of a cat. Yeah. You're finding out about it now. <laughs> it's my Junie B. Jones. Yeah, Junie B. <laughs> my little June bug. June bug. Yeah. <laughs> She's really cute. She's white and orange. <laughs> She's really cute. I'm smiling just thinking of her. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, I'm about to talk about some more news. Okay. Depressing news. Okay, mine are happier at the end. Okay, good. I'm reading dumb news reports, too, but he's reading, you know, depressing news reports. We're talking about government conspiracies this week. Okay. Um, and stuff like that. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this is, uh, I'm, I'm reading some excerpts from an article from CNN to start off here. Mm-hmm. Every day was the same for Khalil Abu Ryan, 21, a depressed pizza delivery man from Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Why do I feel that in my soul? (laughs) I am a depressed pizza delivery man from Michigan. Aren't we all? It's my soul. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Working for a pizzeria in Detroit, he'd drive late nights on desolate inner city streets, smoking pot, hoping to keep boredom at bay. Mm. He carried a pistol to protect himself from robbers. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, I feel like I'm the same. This is my soul. Except for gun-swapped pepper spray. <laughs> I carry pepper spray. Uh, Ryan uh, Ryan wished he could meet a girl, but his strict Muslim parents didn't allow, didn't allow him to date. He'd been troubled since the age of 12. Uh, yeah, when he was sent into counseling after telling his teacher he had a nightmare about bringing a gun to school and killing everyone in class. Yeah, that... Yeah. Okay. 
That's I a mean, problem. Yeah, but he did the right thing. He he, he told about it. Obviously, yeah, he, didn't he told a teacher do it that like because he had yeah, a he dream had a, about he it. Had and a it scared him. And you know? He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah. With him. Okay. Uh huh. And then, tormented by bullies, he later got into fights that led to at least three suspensions. When he was 17, mm-hmm. he started using marijuana. Using now, marijuana. Yeah. The using CNN for you. Marijuana. <laughs> so, now high school was over and Ryan, uh, Ryan had a stable job at his dad's pizza shop, but he still huh. felt lonely, bitter, and powerless, consumed with revenge fantasies. When he got home from work and logged onto his computer, he sought out shocking content in the dark reaches of the internet. Wait, is he going to end up being a bad guy? Uh, no, he's the, he, he's the good guy. Okay. He's, he's okay. the good guy. I mean, or... Yeah, okay. he's, he's, he's the, uh, he so began. the dark web. He's into the dark web. I guess so, yeah. Okay. Uh, he began watching ISIS videos in 2014. Oh. Of like, uh, wow. ISIS killing people and stuff. This is dark. I feel bad for this kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ryan felt insecure under, around the weightlifters at the gym, but online he portrayed himself as a menacing Islamist warrior. <laughs> in one picture, he's cloaked in camouflage, holding a pistol and pointing his index finger skyward. It's a gesture that signals support for ISIS. Oh my gosh. It's a, um, it's a gesture that put the pizza man on the FBI's radar, according to a CNN review of ISIS prosecutions in the U.S. Oh no. Late one. Yeah, no, never good to be on the FBI's radar. Yeah, well, maybe don't try to, maybe don't <laughs> try to look like you support ISIS if you don't. Well, maybe should have should we should uh, have a First Amendment where you can post stuff on the internet. All right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Late one autumn day in 2015, Ryan was at his lowest. He'd been pulled over by Detroit police for speeding and was arrested after the officer found a concealed revolver, four plastic bags of marijuana, and sleeping pills in his 2001 Buick Century. Ryan was released on bond, but things looked bleak, with a seemingly endless series of court appearances on the horizon. Chronic gloom gave way to suicidal thoughts. Okay, wait, pause. If you hear something in the background, it's our roommate singing. In therapy the other day, this was happening, and my therapist said, Is someone in your apartment singing? And I said, Yes. Yes, it is. And I can't control it. That is all. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, they can definitely, if Ella could hear it from my computer microphone, uh-huh. I was in this bedroom, they can hear it. But I'm not going to stop. Because po- I want to get this done. Yeah, this podcast doesn't stop for anybody. Or any noise. No. This is a non-stop flight from oh, uh, our bedroom to podcast oh, land. Okay. All right. Um, this is not what I need right now. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Continue. All right. Uh, he tried to purchase a new pistol and was turned away because of his arrest. That same day, he went to a firing range and rented an AK-47 style rifle as well as an AR-15 style rifle. Um, about a week after... This is not good. Yeah, I mean... Are you sure he's the good guy? (laughs) I don't know about this. I mean, he is a... Troubled youth. Yeah, a person indicative of... I don't know. I I think a a person with a pretty, uh, pretty typical existence for a lot of people. 
okay. lonely and isolated and alienated. And uh, I don't know. I think right. that's how a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, skipping ahead. About a week after Ryan posted the picture with the rifle, a woman named Gada contacted him on Twitter. Uh, she described herself as a Pakistani girl in Cleveland whose parents were pressuring her into an arranged marriage. Within days, Ryan and Gada were making wedding plans, even though they had yet to meet in person. She was oh, Ryan's no. first girlfriend. Oh, um, this uh, is so sad. Okay. They, uh, uh, while I was driving, I started to cry because ha how happy I am to have you, Ryan wrote. <laughs> Don't cry, my love, please, Gada replied. It's tears of joy, uh, wallahi, I never felt this way before. I wish I could give you a great big hug. You have no idea. I just, I just, I could jump through this phone right now. I need you. You have me from our first tweet. She's not real, is she? Damn it. Okay. Ryan told Gada that he and his father planned to visit her in Cleveland so they could plan the wedding. And what? suddenly, really? Gada was gone. Oh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> Was she not real? Uh, was she like spoiler a... Spoiler alert, no. Oh. But, uh, she stopped replying to his messages. She disappeared completely, and Ryan didn't know why. Oh. Two days after Gada vanished, uh, Ryan got a message from a young woman named Jana. Oh, my God. Uh, she said she was a 19-year-old Sunni Muslim. <gasps> unlike people are cruel. <laughs> unlike Gada, uh, Jana... Uh, Jana expressed no interest in a conventional romantic relationship. She said she wanted to martyr herself for ISIS, an act of vengeance against the coalition troops and Shia militants in Syria and Iraq who had killed her husband and two, and two of her cousins. So they didn't get the information they wanted out of him by <laughs> falling in love with him. So now they're like, oh, here's... Uh, this is wrong. This is so bad. Okay, keep going. Mm -hmm. It's like I knew you all my life, wrote Ryan. I will ask you to marry me, but not now. Uh, please don't rush me, wrote Jana. I'm depressed and very scared. Um, Jana wrote she dreamed of committing a suicide attack with Ryan as an expression of undying love. What? Okay, <laughs> what? I don't understand how him... Okay. He, he didn't even initiate this conversation. How can he get in trouble for it? They, they're the ones who said it. I'm not crazy, Khalil, Jana wrote. It's my iman, uh, which means faith. Um, it's what I believe in. Jihad oh, is my, my dream. Oh, my goodness. I hate this um, so much. Honestly, you need to think about what you want, Ryan replied. I can't be in this game. See, wh why don't they just stop there? He doesn't want to do it. Ryan, Isn't that what they wanted to figure out if he would do it? <laughs> well... Um, Ryan wasn't that into the idea of violent jihad as an expression of spiritual love. He repeatedly told Jana uh, that she should rethink her plans and marry him instead. They could be happy. They could start a family. Don't do anything that will hurt you, yourself, or other people, Ryan wrote. He later added, depression is real, but don't let it run your life. As, as Ryan tried to convince Jana that martyrdom was a foolish choice, he confessed to her that he had struggled with violent thoughts himself. He said he wanted to kill the cop who had pulled him over for speeding. He claimed falsely that there was a sword in his car. He blustered that he once had contemplated shooting up a church near his pizza shop, and he didn't intend to spare the women and children. Weeks of desperate messages to Jana culminated with a foreboding phone conversation. Ryan told her he had purchased a rope to hang himself. Only in like a minute or two it'll be over, said Ryan. 
My family is going to be sad for a little while, but they'll get over it. Uh, Jana responded that the only proper way for Muslims to kill themselves is in an act of violent jihad. Later in the conversation, Ryan said he did not want to hurt anybody else. He was interested in taking only his own life. If I did it to myself, it would be easier, said Ryan. I wouldn't get in trouble. I'm not trying to get arrested again. Two days after the call, Ryan got an unexpected visit. Federal agents arrested him for possession of a firearm by an unlawful user of a controlled substance. Ryan didn't have a new pistol. He didn't have any guns. The, uh, the firearm in question was the revolver that Detroit police had confiscated months earlier during the traffic stop. Uh, Jana, the woman who encouraged Ryan to kill innocent people for Allah, uh, was an undercover FBI employee. employee. Ryan's first love, Gada, was also a fiction, fic, fictitious persona. In a court filing, prosecutors declined to reveal what agency or department may or may not have employed the individual who pretended to be Gada. The government had engineered the romantic intrigue to bust Ryan for ISIS support. The FBI spent nearly a year investigating him. Despite the investment of time and resources, the sting failed to yield any terrorism charges. Yeah, because he didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. But Despite okay. their best efforts. Ultimately, he was indicted for sol solely for two gun offenses, firearm possession by a drug user and lying about his drug use to buy a pistol. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced last April to five years in prison, a sentence almost three times longer than the advisory range for his offenses. Damn. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, well, so I hate the this. The FBI spends a year trying to get you to uh, commit a terrorist attack, and when you don't do it, they arrest you they arrest for, you. <laughs> as, you know, as, as uh, for wasting their time or God. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's that story, um, and one from a few years ago that I think pairs well with it, um, oh, no. <laughs> is one from, uh, AZ Central, um, in Phoenix, or uh, an undercover FBI agent who was investigating terrorism was driving past two Arizona men just before they opened fire outside a Prophet Muhammad cartoon contest in suburban Dallas in 2015, court records show, raising questions about whether authorities could have done more to stop the attack. So in 2015, there was um, a th this uh, right-wing shithead, Pamela Geller, put together this event to, uh, say, to you know, draw people get people to draw the prophet muhammad which you know there's not supposed to be like depictions of and stuff Gosh. <laughs> but, uh, which is uh suppose according to the groups who claim responsibility for it like the reason that the charlie hebdo uh magazine like headquarters were shot up in paris like a few months before this stuff um so Anyway, the records became available to the Associated Press in the criminal case against Abdul Malik Abdul Karim, a Phoenix man who was sentenced this week to 30 years in prison on criminal convictions that included providing support to Islamic State. Karim wasn't at the event in Garland, Texas, but authorities say he provided guns used by Elton Simpson and Nadir Sufi in the attack, instructed them on how to use weapons, and watched violent jihadist videos with them. The court records also show that the unidentified agent had exchanged social, social media messages with one of the gunmen days before the attack that left the two attackers dead and a security guard wounded. Um, the fact that there was an FBI agent at the contest in Texas who was in contact with Simpson has drawn criticism from Kareem's lawyer and the security guard's lawyer. 
They say the government has not been forthcoming about the agent's role in the plot and have questions why the agency didn't break up the plot. The FBI declined to comment on whether the agency believed beforehand that Simpson and Sufi would launch an attack and on Kareem's claim that the agent's presence wasn't revealed to, vo to avoid embarrassment. The Garland Police Department also declined to comment. The agent had been sitting in a vehicle outside the Garland Convention Center just as events wrapped up at the cartoon contest. A dark sedan in front of the agent made an abrupt stop. As the agent drove around the car, two men with an Islamic State flag wearing body armor and carrying military-style rifles got out and opened fire. The agent drove away and was later stopped by police. The two men were killed in a shootout with law enforcement assigned to guard the controversial event, and the security guard was shot in the leg. Uh, the agent's presence at the contest wasn't publicly revealed until 15 months later and has raised questions about whether authorities could have done more to stop the attack. The agent's presence at the event was first revealed in August in court rec records in a criminal case in Cleveland against Eric Jamal Hendricks, a North Carolina man accused of trying to recruit people to join Islamic State. Hendricks says he had been pay paid by the FBI since 2009 to help identify potential terrorists. He has pleaded not guilty to charges of conspiring to provide material support to the Islamic State. More details emerged in December in court records in Kareem's case, re revealing for the first time the officer's pr proximity to the shooters. Uh, Kareem's attorney said in court records that Hendricks put the undercover agent into contact with Simpson about 10 days before the attack. In one encounter with the agent, Simpson, who had a prior terrorism-related conviction, referred to the upcoming contest in Texas. On the day of the attack, the agent communicated with Hendricks while the agent was outside the convention center. Hendricks, Hendricks asked about the size of the crowd, whether snipers were present, and other questions, according to records. The agent, according to an FBI record filed in Kareem's case, snapped two photos from the convention center parking lot moments before the shooting. One shows a police officer and another person standing in the distance near a tree. The second image was taken less than 30 seconds before the shooting. In the days after the shooting, FBI Director James Comey said federal investigators learned only hours before the contest that a man under investigation for extremist activities might show up at the contest and, and alerted local authorities. Comey also said investigators had no indication that the man planned to attack the event. Um, so, like, I guess if, if uh, they had, I don't know. That I guess this this is an example of how um, the cur the previous operation could have gone right, where you could have had an FBI agent sitting right outside of a uh, mass shooting almost happening and not doing anything to stop it and egging on and providing information <laughs> to the people doing the shooting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I the, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the point of the FBI is here. Well, the point of the FBI is to... I know what in this, and I meant just in general. They don't do anything. I know. I, well, what they do is get people to... They get, you know, uh, mentally ill or troubled, like, young Muslim men to, uh, to uh, I don't know, uh, prepare to commit terrorist attacks. And if they... And then stop them the tax that they planned and got them to do or not stop them. And yeah. either way, you know, it's a, you know, it shows the usefulness of the FBI and they stopped a terrorist attack uh, or it uh, was a successful terrorist attack and 
shows why the FBI needs more power more <laughs> money and money. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, I also have a note here from NPR that Sadiq Mateen, the father of the man behind the 2016 Pulse nightclub massacre, uh, worked with the FBI as a confidential informant for more than a decade leading up to the shooting, according to attorneys for the shooters, for the, uh, for the shooter's widow. Um, I mean, I, I talked before on here about the, uh, the Tsarnaev brothers who did the Boston Marathon bombing and how um, they had a, uh, an interesting relationship with the FBI and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. We talked in the past about Operation Gladio and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a bad, it's a bad world out there. I don't, I don't know why I don't, you read these to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have. No, it, it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, this isn't to say that, like, uh, all mass shootings and stuff are, uh, you know, government plots and stuff. We live in a country where, like, there are a lot of, like, alienated, uh, angry, lonely people and stuff and with easy access to guns. So it's not... It's not like we don't have the conditions for lots of mass yeah. shootings and terrorist attacks and stuff. But, you know, I guess. Oh, and also the uh, talked about it also before the one in Canada where the guy was uh, probably a, a police informant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. No, the, um, I, I, don't I don't have anything to I add. I don't, yeah, no, I don't have a point either. I was hope. I would, I just like, I just wanted to bum everyone out, I guess. Uh, this was just, uh, content from this week that, uh, I, I, cause I needed something. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for being a bummer. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm going to start mine now. Okay, good. Okay. Watch this screen in case it stops recording. I will. Talk a little bit. I'm trying to okay. set this up. So, I mean, I get, I mean, so the other government agency that uh, the first, the first woman who talked to Ryan was, was totally the CIA, probably, because that conf neither confirm nor deny language is totally what they use. So just, I mean, that's, that's the CIA's typical uh, denial or confirmation that somebody works with them. Um, so, you know, just like most things the cia is involved somehow all right are you ready for mine yeah please. i have four don't look i have Sorry. four news stories this week okay that are fun yes so i'm gonna well yeah they're all fun okay i think they're all fun they're all fun. okay good well they're all goofy okay so this one was from april 25th 2021 okay from npr okay okay there can only be one Battle of the Joshes brings hundreds to Nebraska. I heard Did about you hear this. about this? All right, well, we're going to hear about more. Yeah. Some have called it Josh Fight or the Josh Battle Royale. Others will remember it simply as Josh versus Josh versus Josh. No matter the title, hundreds of people who share the first name Josh gathered Saturday in Lincoln, Nebraska to vie for the right to their name. Armed with pool noodles, Josh's from around the country met at Air Park, where they brawled as onlookers with other names cheered from the with other names cheered from the sidelines. <laughs> In the end, it was a four-year-old Lincoln resident 
Josh Vinson Jr., dubbed Little Josh by his peers, who was crowned the winner. (laughs) There was also a Big Josh, too, according to photos from the Lincoln Journal Star. But the big one, like the big news, was Little Josh, four-year-old Little Josh, was (laughs) named the winner. Because they were fighting with pool noodles. Yeah. The idea for the event began with a Facebook message the event's organizer, Josh Swain, sent last year. Under that, Swain referred to in a Reddit post as, quote, a spell of pandemic boredom. A 22-year-old college student from Arizona started a group message with as many people he could find on Facebook who shared his first and last name. (laughs) In doing so, he joined the many others who have sought out their nicknames online. Or their namesakes online. But Swain's message had a twist. An invitation to his named doppelgangers to duel for the right to be known as Josh Swain. <laughs> complete with a date, April 24th, 2021, and a random set of coordinates. Quote, we fight. Whoever wins gets to keep the name, he said. Everyone else has to change their name. You have a year to prepare. Good luck. <laughs> the message was a complete joke, Swain said in the Reddit post. But after sharing screenshots of the conversation on Twitter, the internet responded with meme-filled fervor. Enough to convince Swain to make the journey to Lincoln, Nebraska to defend his name. At Saturday's event, which doubled as a food drive and fundraiser, there were not one but two Josh Swains at Air Park. The original coordinate Swain selected happened to be located in the middle of a farm, so we moved the location to a more public setting. (laughs) The name twins, Josh of Arizona and Josh of Omaha, Nebraska, duked it out to be known as the preeminent Josh Swain as the tense battle of rock, paper, scissors. With a final rock, beat, scissors, the event's organizer emerged victorious. The Swain Bowl was followed by the pool noodle fight, which was open to any person with the first name Josh, and later, people of all names who wanted to join the mayhem. A live stream of the event was viewed by people from as far as Norway and Sweden, who could tune in to see the hundreds of Joshes, some dressed in Star Wars, Spider-Man, and other superhero-themed costumes. That's such a Josh thing. Yeah, it is. This is, a very, with, this is such a Josh thing. With someone with the name Josh. Um... <laughs> We have a roommate named Josh. I hope they don't think we're talking about him in here. (laughs) I'm just talking about the Josh event. Okay, by Sunday, the Josh Swain Fund had raised more than $10,000 for the Children's Hospital and Medical Center Fund Foundation, which provides medical services to children across Nebraska, because it was also like a fundraising event, Uh which is really cool. In a Reddit post following the event, Swain, now known as The Josh Swain, said that he didn't have, quote, a single idea how the event would play out and had worried about how many people would show up. But the result, he said, was gathering was a gathering that was, quote, incredibly respectful, polite, joyful and just awesome overall. Quote uh, from Josh. Man, you guys absolutely rocked it. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making the Josh Swain Battle Royale. Josh fight, Josh versus Josh versus Josh, etc. One of the greatest events of my life. End quote. Some Redditors suggested establishing the battle as an annual tradition with a new name, location, and charitable cause each year. One suggestion uh, for next year's name, Jenny Smith. I don't get it. Who's Jenny Smith? It's just a common name, I think. Hmm. Wait, did Jenny Smith write? No. No. (laughs) Fun, right? That is fun. That's a very, very Josh and a very Reddit. uh, Isn't that funny? (laughs) I thought it was funny. I guess Reddit is also a very Josh website. It is. 
Yeah, I yeah. bet there's a lot of Joshes on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That was fun, right? Yeah. Want the, want the next one? Yeah, I want uh, the next one. People are stealing Legos. Here's why. <laughs> Not my Legos. Lego larceny may be on the rise. I mean, <laughs> they're expensive. This is from April 3rd to 2021. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what we'll get into. French police have been investigating an international ring of toy thieves with a particular affinity for the colorful interlocking bricks, according to a recent report from The Guardian. In this case, three suspects were caught taking boxes of Legos from a toy shop near Paris with the goal of selling them in Poland, according to Les Parisiens. Okay. <laughs> and it's not just Europe. Lego robbers have happened in the... Uh, yeah, no, Lego robberies have happened in the United States as well. Last month, a man in Oregon was arrested after local police suspected he stole $7,500 worth of Lego toy sets. There's a lot of money in Legos. Lego sets come out in limited editions, and they soon become collector's items. There might even be a whole black market for the bricks. Lego specialist, <laughs> Lego specialist, yeah. Gerben Van Ijkin, Ijkin tells Scott Simon on Weekend Edition, quote, Well, that's very difficult to prove that there's a black market. <laughs> However, there is an enormous amount of collectors out there who are missing out on certain sets right now and are willing to pay a lot of money for these sets. He says, mm -hmm. uh, Van Ijkin is an auctioneer at an auction website for collectibles. He says the most valuable and sought after sets are those in their original packaging not opened yet. For example, Lego Cafe Corner, a set released in 2007 for about $150, can nowadays run up to $3,000 if kept in its original condition. Other sets routinely fetch thousands of dollars in online marketplaces. Some sellers are asking for more than $3,500 for an unopened set of the Lego Millennium Falcon. Just like almost everything else in the world, the pandemic could be, could be a driving force behind this phenomenon, especially during the lockdown period as we are in right now. This is a quote. It's still extremely popular, and Lego sales are still extremely high, not only the Lego company itself, but on our platform, too. We saw 100% rise in sales over the past year. Yeah, I mean, huh. I, want, I wonder if, like... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the lockdown is behind, like, a lot of, uh, I guess, like, you know, had uh, trading cards exploded in value in the past year, like, I, I, I all a bunch of other kinds of collectibles, like, the, like, NFTs became a thing in the past year. I guess, I I bet all of that is driven by, like, the, the pandemic and stuff, and people wanting to mm -hmm. co just collect things and... Uh, Okay, trade this, stuff. Sorry, this article, it's not going to let me read it. Of course, it's let me read it for the past couple of days, but now it's making me log in. So quickly, I'm going to read the, because it'll let me read this and then it'll lock me out. Okay. Teenager hitting flamous, flaming tennis ball. Hang on, I got to go back. <laughs> you won't let me read it. I'm so sad. No. Hitting flaming tennis ball, ignite, ignited fire, explosion at Martinez's home, knocked out power to more than 8,000 people. 8,000 residents. He was uh, hitting flaming tennis balls with a tennis racket. <laughs> and then it hit a bunch of stuff and caught a field on fire. So that was a little more sad, but the headline was very funny. That is, that's good. All right. Well, I have one more. I'm... <laughs> 
This okay. one's good. I, I wanted to end on this one. I, okay. You'll like this one. This one is from Sky News. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Lads day out. Seven. How, wait, do you say this? Bullocks? Yeah. Bullocks. Lads day out. Seven bullocks take over East Yorkshire town after escaping from field. The young lawn bandits, bandits were seen munching on people's gardens while one looked tempted to try out one resident's trampoline. I don't know. What, what's a bullock? Like a cow. A cow? Oh. Cow. Was it a, a kind of cow? A bullock? Yep. Nice. A group of wandering bullocks, cows, have taken over a town in East Yorkshire after escaping from a, a field causing cattle chaos. <laughs> the seven young lawn bandits were seen munching on people's gardens. BBC journalist David Harrison photographed the livestock tearing up the town before they were rounded up and returned home. Aw, he doesn't look like he's quite fancy that. One bullock looked tempted to have a go on a trampoline. This is so fun. Posting the photos on Twitter, Mr. Harrison said, quote, Cow chaos on Woodlands Road in Beverly this morning. At least seven cows have managed to get themselves very lost and are tearing apart lawns. This reminds me of like... 2013 2014 twitter it's cute <laughs> like, this is the kind of, i like this i know um he added they've run out of grass on woodlands road so they're now having a jaunt up to atkinson way <laughs> fewer lawns but the lamp post seems popular for a good scratch <laughs> yum the cows are spotted helping themselves to grass in people's gardens but the boys' day out soon came to an end after they were rounded up by Zoe Bell, the, the neat herd, the net, net herd, I don't know, that who looked after the livestock at Beverly Wood, Westwood. That is, all except one. Sharing a video of the lone member of the group walking across the green, Mr. Harrison said, quote, Ah, one stray cow hasn't quite got the memo that they're all off home. <laughs> This is the cow equivalent of going to the bar and returning to the dance floor with your mates nowhere to be seen. Fancy moving in. The Bullocks didn't shy away from getting up close and personal on private properties. The herd of young cows were curious to check out the town. Chairman of the Beverly Pasture Masters, Alan English, said, quote, Until the Bullocks settle down, they tend to ramble about. They are like little kids. He added that there is about 300 livestock on the pasture which surrounds the town, with the younger ones known for escaping once or twice a season, occasionally making their way into the town. Quote, the residents don't mind as long as they don't do any damage, and we soon get them back onto the Westwood, he said. That's it. Okay. That was such a fun little story. I know. Remember. How fun. I know. Remember the, the dress? That on Twitter, yes. yeah. Well, see, that, White and gold or blue or black. Yeah, I, but it, it overshadowed that day, like a thing about like two llamas getting loose in no. some city. And like, Man. there's like a black, or I think it was two. It was a few llamas and they were running around causing mischief in whatever city it was where the llamas got loose. Uh, have your llamas ever gotten loose? Yeah. On my, my first day of high school, one of them got loose, and they called really me. Embarrassing. They called me out of class to like go help. Oh uh, my god, they did. Corral it. Yeah, that's so funny. My, the cops? Did the cops call you out of class, or did your parents? No, the they cops. Because my parents were at work. 
<laughs> like <laughs> this is so hick town <laughs> like you weren't in trouble or anything were no. you they no, were just like come was, get your llamas yeah it was just the only did you get called up to the principal's office yeah they like called did me mr to the gordon office go like, harry sullivan to the office please harry sullivan to the so, office yeah. please <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what happened yeah and then they told me that my llamas were loose i heard about that i heard that llamas got loose like there's always rumors about your llamas getting loose but <laughs> yeah, i did hear that your llamas got loose once yeah it was yeah it, how'd they happened. get out you know they find a, a hole in the fence or like a part of like a part of fence that they can squeeze through or something what goofy what goofy little what, animals goofy i love them yeah, goofy guys goofy gals <laughs> yeah they're they're good they're cute they're pretty good they're cuties <laughs> um you what is this i don't know this is goopy <laughs> looking at something on the table it looks like boogers. I know. That's what I was kind of thinking. I'm like, did you put a booger on here? No. No, I think it's like uh, something from like a tag or like a, mm. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I want to go paint my nails. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Sorry about the episode. Good. What? No, it was Next a good week episode. I have a real, I have a real topic. And I'm very glad that we ended on yours. It's an uplifting topic too. Oh, good. See? Mine's pretty uplifting. It's about an inspirational woman. Mine... I know what I'm going to do next week, and I'll, I'll try to make it fun. Okay. I think. Mine can get kind of, like, it's not like fun, fun, but it's about a great woman in history. Okay. Uh, that's, okay. You? No, I've been wanting to talk about her for a while now, but I figured now is the time because I need some more uplifting content in my life and not so much sadness. Got it, yeah. So. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear about it. Great, um, sounds good. So it's been it's been an episode. Yeah, we'll get we got to get this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, I've been Harry. I'm still Carly. And this has been known unknowns. Uh, free Palestine. Because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye.